0: This is Bob Rourke with Business Leaders Podcast, and today we're fortunate to have Nidal Alice. He's the president and CEO of Techno Rescue, which is a veteran owned full lifecycle green IT company based in Colorado, specializing in computer electronics, recycling, data destruction, e waste disposal, computer service and repair, IT support, and consulting. The company is registered as a large quantity handler of universal waste in the state of Colorado. Nidal? welcome to the show. Thanks.
1: Thank you so much, Bob. Appreciate the opportunity to be on your show and for coming to my office.
0: Absolutely. And guys, if you happen to hear some noise in the background during the podcast, that's we're in his office and work is going on behind us by his staff. And so (laughs) that's a very good thing. Well, Nidal, I tell you what, for the folks that may not know, tell us a little bit about your business, yourself, and who you serve. I appreciate that, Bob. Absolutely. So uh, name of company
1: is Techno Rescue. As you uh, introduced, we're a green technology company. We specialize in the end of life, the uh, electronic recycling and data destruction services. That is what we specialize in. Uh, but. We're more of a full life cycle company. And what I mean by that is when other e-waste companies, electronic waste companies, they recycle equipment, they break it down and scrap it. We're, we're about reuse before recycle. So we try to salvage and reuse and refurbish. Refurbish and remarket as secondhand IT equipment, whether a home user wants to buy a laptop for themselves or a desktop or a telephone or a TV or a small business. They may not be able to afford a brand new infrastructure or a server from Dell or HP or anybody else. So they can get a secondhand, fully refurbished server, desktop, and everything to build a whole network infrastructure. So we offer end of life US recycling, computer repair services, anything uh, having to do with the full life cycle of technology.
0: You know, it's, it's interesting for, for many, and, and my misconception when I came in was very much that you would bring in a piece of equipment and it would basically get crushed or whatever, and gotten rid of. And I was fortunate. I got a, a personal tour <laughs> of the facility before we started the podcast. And you know, they have various workstations in the back where there's controller board repair that can go on. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole Apple station where Apple repair and reuse goes on. And one of the areas that I was most fascinated with is on on the, the medical equipment side, could you dive into that a little bit and tell us what your, your focus might be there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I definitely appreciate that question. The one thing that we've been very fortunate with here in Techno Rescue is that I don't have just a basic tech that could just fix laptops and desktops. We have a good verse of diversity of, of technicians that could do Uh, PCs, desktops, laptops, servers, Macs and apples, like you said. But the medical equipment was always an important piece for me because that is part of e-waste. That is a waste, hazardous material like anything else if it's not properly handled once the medical facilities or hospitals get rid of. So one of my dreams has always been to get my hands on medical equipment, have them refurbished, recertified, and remarketed to... Other medical facilities, whether they're in this country or abroad, that cannot afford brand new medical equipment. And, and my hope is to grow what we currently have in place for even higher end medical equipment, whether it's an MRI machine, an X ray machine, CAT scan, or not just huge devices like that, but small devices as well. It's a lot of medical facilities out there that just don't have the budget. They're not all university hospitals that can go to GE or Siemens and drop several million dollars on MRI machines. So being able to utilize the platform that I put together, I want to take medical equipment, have it refurbished, recertified, and find a new home for it at a a fraction of the cost, to give an opportunity for another facility to have the proper medical equipment for good medical care.
0: You know, as, as we are sitting here talking and the guys are really busy in the background <laughs> right behind us, which, you know, it, it's fun because I've been back there and I see what they're doing. And, and we were talking uh, as we were walking around back there and folks may not know the size of your operation. How many pounds of recycled <laughs> did you bring in here recently? Well, for the month of
1: April, being Earth Month especially, we brought in probably somewhere between four and 500,000 pounds. And most of that was in the last two and a half weeks of the month uh, during Earth Week. So we, we, we they were coming in by the semi-trucks, you know, truck truckfuls. And we're also open seven days a week for people who want to drop off equipment. But with our pickup services and our community events and recycle events, it, it was pretty substantial. You know, we have, uh, uh, um, one of the ways we pick up equipment, it's not just from drop-offs or pickups. So for the month of April, I mentioned between four and 500,000 pounds. With our community events, one of our biggest events that we do, we do an event with Nine News, and this year we're doing it on September 9th at Coors Field. Last year, in a five-hour period, we picked up 378,000 pounds in five hours. So much so that this year, the Guinness Book of World Records is going to come out because that is a world record for the most amount of recyclable materials of electronics in a one-day period. So it's going to be pretty interesting this year. But yeah, we a lot of volume comes in here. You know, we have a 14,000 square foot facility which um uh is it, it sounds big but it's not big enough so going back to my government roots my military roots we have multiple shifts extended hours and uh, I can envision us in a year year and a half from now being a 24-hour operation just to keep up with the growing volume and every year you know the volume is growing for us and you know just got it's got to keep up with
0: it <laughs> so you know as, as you were talking you were talking about uh, your military experience mm-hmm. and people mm-hmm. are going well how in the world did you go from being in the military <laughs> to doing this tell us a little bit about your journey between the military and absolutely company.
1: i'd be happy to you know grew up here in colorado uh did a semester at uh, metro university well it was metro state back then so it became a university after um joined the air force uh did a nine and a half great years i was very proud to to serve i had a very rough first duty station in this little place called hawaii i had to uh, take one for the teams Hard to serve the country, but you do what you have to do, being very sarcastic, of course. And uh, so that was a great time. Um, uh, served, uh, Got my first college degree while I was in, serving in Hawaii. Did a short-term deployment in Turkey. Um, I was there for Operation Northern Watch. And then uh, finished my last three years. I was in the Pentagon. Um, I was there from 01 to 04. I got my second degree while I was in there. I was fortunate enough to have the Air Force pay for my education. Um, had a you know, top-secret security clearance, got to get you know really great experience. You know, for the, I worked for the intelligence community as well as the Department of Defense. I um, got out in 2004, worked for a company called SAIC, Science Application International Corporation, uh, doing network security for the intelligence community uh, as well. And uh, being the uh, entrepreneur that I am, I, had, I always had some side gigs. When I was stationed in Hawaii, I had a production company when i was in dc i ran a holistic medical practice and an independent record label while i was working in the pentagon i was a little bit crazy i didn't know how to sleep or relax i guess <laughs> um and then uh, uh the two companies that i was uh involved with had uh, a lot of issues with the uh, executives and management one of them uh, unfortunately followed a double bunk- double bankruptcy and uh, another company i was involved with um unfortunately uh I was a uh, uh, primary investor for that specific company and uh, one of the partners uh, decided to embezzle that money. So in a two month period, uh, two companies I was involved with uh, struggled you know, quite a bit. So that brought me back to Colorado, which I always knew I'd come back eventually because I love the state and my family's here and I wanted to come take care of my mom primarily. So I came here and an old high school buddy of mine approached me about the idea of recycling electronics. The first thought in my head is, wow, that sounds very boring. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just traveled the world. I'm educated. You know, I got clearance. I can work anywhere. Why am I going to recycle? Um, but out of respect for my friendship. and But to be fair, you know, I said as a joke to him, but I, I do care about the environment. I'm into technology. But mostly out of respect for him, I decided to research the industry. You know, I saw that, first of all, as a business, there wasn't that much competition. Um, it's an up-and-coming niche, and there was a massive need. But more importantly, I found through my research there were things in this industry and from other companies that these businesses were not doing. They were recycling, but okay, they were breaking the equipment down. But they, you know, I felt like there was more that they can do. And then I came across this some reading about full life cycle. So I looked more into the full life cycle of technology, womb to tomb, and okay, I said okay, it's one thing. For companies, like I said earlier in the beginning of this podcast, that it's one thing for companies to just take the equipment and break it down, um, you know, but it's another to bring it back to life and find new homes for it. And today, especially with the commodities market, the price of gold and metal and steel is very challenging for other e-waste companies to survive. If you're relying on the commodities market, you're in a lot of trouble. But with Techno Rescue, we're so diverse with the technology services and the refurbishing. Um, and then, you know you know with a full life cycle it, it got me really excited all of a sudden and like most of my bright ideas i was in the shower and I, I had the vision. I jumped out of the shower before the soap got out of my head. I called my, my soon-to-be partner. Uh, and within two hours, we met for lunch. I went to the secretary of state. I got licensed. Two weeks later, found a warehouse and got busy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, it, it's funny. You know, you think about, and for many, they'll have different routines that they'll go through where where business ideas will either come. You know, it, it's either from meditation, fasting, mm. or long drive or in the shower. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so... You had the vision. You got permitted, got a location. Then what? And then we started getting
1: busy. So after that, then I decided I started to uh, learn the business, to learn the industry, um, learn all the different types of commodities, uh, the different hazardous materials. Before I can get into the IT side of the business, starting an e-waste company, I need to learn all the environmental hazards and on. You know, all the different compliances and other different regulations, you know, you got the local, state, federal and even international environmental rules, you know, not just of how to keep things out of the landfill uh, responsibly, but, um, you know, you have to consider exporting laws of where to get rid of the materials. But we dove in, um, you know, me, me and my co-founder at that time. And uh, just, I I committed my entire life to it, you know, and I, I, you know, there was no distractions. I kept myself single and um, that that was my entire focus. But the first year we profited and that was against all odds. You know, as you know, as a businessman, uh, second year we profited. Um, And again, that was against all odds. And then, you know, being the young entrepreneur, um, I think I got a little ahead of myself, started expanding, had multiple locations. And I decided I'm going to go after some, the big million dollar contracts and accounts. And and I lost, you know, and I accept my accountability. I lost control a little bit because I thought I had a trusted partner and uh, we brought in another partner. Um, but I was so focused on traveling, going, knocking on the big boy doors and trying to be that guy instead of taking the appropriate steps. So that's where I set my accountability and where I'm going with that is it's on the third year I experienced an embezzlement. You know, so the second embezzlement of my life, you know, the first one in D.C., then this one with my own company. I had a lot of problems with, uh, with employees. Um, at the same exact time, my mom got diagnosed with cancer, you know, and, and I'm, you know, very close to my mom where I was, you know, she was living with me. I was taking care of her. So that was my priority, of course. So in the midst of the embezzlement, the employee issues being too spread out, I went from looking for those million dollar contracts to just trying to keep the doors open. Um, so I got to a point where I had to make some tough decisions um several options and one of the more obvious options was to just shut down the doors walk away go back to my old life with my resume and get a good job um but one i'm too stubborn uh two you're not going to beat me down (laughs) you know and and three i'm I'm ultra determined i truly believed then and i do now the vision of what this company could be you know the full life cycle Mm -hmm. the uh not just of basic computer equipment, but for the medical side, um, you know, so, so I decided to fight. shot all the different locations down, got reorganized. I terminated uh, the both partner relationships. Um, it was a, you know, very expensive experience. Tuition. Huge tuition. I have a PhD <laughs> in the hard knock lesson business learning. <laughs> you know, I know a lot of businesses experience a lot of challenges and issues. Um so I can't say that I experienced anything different than most. I just experienced a lot of it. Um and then rebuilding it was difficult because I had 0 dollars and massive debts that I took on by myself. Um you know, especially when I you know I kicked out my my co-founder. Um he wanted to sue me, but luckily even though we had a high school, you know, relationship, I was smart enough to build a have a standard o- or a, a operating agreement to attorney, you know, drafted at the beginning. Thank God for that. So if you're a new business person, I don't care if it's your sibling, have an operating agreement in place. I saved my butt. I'll tell you, you what. You know,
0: before we go too far, two things I wanted to do and circle back. One, if folks are going, you know, he might be able to solve a particular problem that I have. Mm-hmm. How do they find you? What's the best way to reach you? Oh, there's, there's multiple ways. You can certainly, you know, one way, find my website,
1: technorescue.com. T-E-C-H-N-O, rescue, R-E-S-C-U-E.com. You can email me directly, <laughs> nidal at technorescue.com. Nidal, N-I-D-A-L, at technorescu.com. Uh, call me at my office, 303-482-2207. I'm available 24-7, this is, this is what I do.
0: <laughs> As you can imagine, pretty much, it's fairly common to have some challenges with partners. Yes. You know, and looking back, you know, and, and you had two opportunities to look at embezzlement. Mm-hmm. What? If you were gonna take and and start another business today, and you were gonna have partners, what procedures or policies would you put in place where everybody would know Mm -hmm. that there's accountability and oversight? What would you do?
1: Well, the first thing i do is i'd make sure that my partner had a, a vested interest he's not going to walk in with just sweat equity <laughs> Heck, you know they, they need something to lose as well um, and that's one that was one of my lessons learned you know because I, I i i had the company funded not only through my own money but through my family money so um but definitely have you know get an attorney if you can't afford attorney get an attorney anyways do whatever you can um, let them know that you're starting a business and have every single thing they can possibly think of to protect you. I don't care how uncomfortable it is. I don't care how awkward the conversation is. Have documents to, to, uh, to protect you from theft, from embezzlement, from unethical behavior. Uh, Buy sale you know, Have all those things in place. If, a, if you think that a lawyer is telling you too many things because he's just trying to make, he or she is trying to make too much extra money by making an agreement bigger... Do it. You know, everything you could possibly think of. That document saved my butt, you know, because he broke every corporate law there is and went against uh, that agreement that I had drafted by an attorney.
0: Is there something you could have done as far as a review of the books or having audited financials or reviewed financials?
1: Absolutely. Um, and, and that's where I set my accountability. Um, part of the operating agreement was my that I would be the primary to, to manage all the books. Um, but he, he wanted to run it because I was a better business development person than he was. Um, so I, I I should have had a better, you know, I should have kept my hands on, on it. Cause the first uh, two years when we profited, I was OCD by my books, every single penny in and out I accounted for it. Um, you know, I, every single day, every single week I did internal audits. I had my own accountant. I had a CPA. I had it checked by third parties, including myself. That third year, when I decided that, hey, I'm a big boy, I'm a hot shot, I could do everything, um, I decided to allow my the, the the my co-founder and the partner that we brought in to do the internal stuff while I kept going out. What year was that? That was in 09.
0: Perfect timing.
1: Yes, incredible timing. How do you like <laughs> that? On top of everything else, by the way, that was in 09. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on top of all of it. <laughs> so. Um, so, yeah, the, 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 what I, I should have, um, you know, I, I shouldn't have uh, let, let go of the controls, um, you know, and that's where I set my accountability. You know, th- those guys weren't uh, it wasn't their thing. The, their thing was operations and technology. They were amazing technicians, um, good at operations. But when it comes to administration, financial management and all that, it was just it just wasn't their thing. Um, but they wanted it because they knew my capabilities, and, and that's, where, that's where it got all messed up. But I just never thought for a second there'd be an embezzlement situation. You know, I, I never thought that I'd be a, a victim a second time of that. So, you know, 99.9% of smart business people would have told me to shut down and walk away. But... Um, we decided to fight and, uh, and I'm glad that I did time will tell if it you know that was the right decision. but I do believe in my heart that that was the right decision because I'm back on my feet. We're, we're profiting. We're gro- we've been growing 25, 30, 35 percent a year since I took over 100% percent Um, I don't have any black suits knocking on my door anymore, threatening to shut me down if I don't pay up, you know. So going, you know, during the rebuilding process, having a massive debt and zero dollars of the account, every single penny I made went right to to debt. And at one point, and I'll say this, my low point was uh, there was a two-week period where I was sleeping in the office because I couldn't afford insurance or gas to drive home. So I'd wake up at 4:45 every morning. I sneak into the uh, gym up the street, and it was another facility. Take a shower, I'd come back here. I'd do the computer repair, the pickups, uh, the breaking down everything, and then finally I could afford a contractor, part time, and then just rebuild You know that that good old boy American story, right? And that uh, just 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 went and um. You know, but my 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 uh, primary concern, of course, was not just the business, but taking care of my mom's health, who was going through cancer and chemotherapy. But I didn't want to add the stress to her, knowing what I was going through. And she was asking me why I was getting so skinny. I didn't want to tell her that I couldn't eat. <laughs> I said, Mom, I'm just really busy. I got a lot of stuff going on. Life is great. You know, I lost 20 pounds in a month from that. You know, th- during the beginning of that, mm-hmm. but, but you know, when when you believe in something, um, you know, you can't give up. You know, if you, be- you know, I believe that you follow your dream and the dollar will follow. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a big believer in that. And um, you know, in treating my customers well, um, being honest, maintaining my integrity, I think is a big part of what what got me back on my feet. Now, you know, we have good government contracts. Uh, the last couple of years, I've been fortunate enough to win a number of RFPs. Um, I won two RFPs in the last three, three months. Um, we're, we're up for some big contracts now. Uh, we, I have 27 really excellent employees right now that I'm very proud of. Um, and we're just rocking. Are we where I want to be? Not even close. Um, at the same time, I'll probably never be satisfied. I'll probably always going to want more. <laughs>
0: You know, and your experience is like some others that I've heard recently where they'll expand to multiple locations from a single location. Mm-hmm. And you and I talked a little bit about that when we were doing yeah. the preview of the warehouse area. When, when you're thinking about doing another location, what are the two or three things that you're thinking about that you need to keep in mind when you're going to take and expand to another sure. location? So,
1: it's interesting you asked that question, because I had a meeting with my attorney this morning and she asked a very similar question. So, I'm taking a uh, different approach initially before I do another expansion. I I now, um, I have clients in different states outside of Colorado. So the approach I'm taking now is something that I learned from my government days. I have set up um, through some serious due diligence and vetting with really credible companies who have my same certifications, who have even deeper history. I've I've established partnership agreements with them for subcontracting opportunities. So I have clients in Arizona, Florida, New York, D.C., Through subcontracting agreements, as of now, I'm servicing people through partner companies that I've established relationships with um, who are credible. And I have a contract with every single one of those guys to protect both, mutual agreement for for both sides. And likewise, I cover Colorado and the Rocky Mountain region for for those uh, different companies. So initially, that's how I'm going to work. When we get to a certain point where I'm comfortable enough, I don't know for sure, I haven't figured it out 100%, but you know, it could be a franchise approach, it could be a licensing approach, or it could be if I'm gonna have a facility somewhere else that I have somebody come in to be a partner of that specific facility who's gonna have a vested interest and buy into that. Um You know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there, as they say. I still I still have a lot of baggage, I'll admit. Um, I have a lot of baggage from what happened, but you can call that baggage part of my education. Uh, but I'm not going to let that go. Um, I'm not going to let it go because I'm afraid. I'm, I'm not going to let it go because I want to be smart about it. It's one thing to say you learned a lesson. It's another to implement that lesson. You know, it's a lesson observed until it's a lesson learned, right? <laughs>
0: right. And then, put, you know, putting policies and procedures in place.
1: All of that, absolutely. And we do have that you know in here as a certified company we have documentation I, you know I, I totally went back to my military roots i have standard operating procedures i have policies so, you know there's a system for everything how to answer the phone you know how to how to clean the bathroom you know how to break equipment down you know, we have a system and policy and procedures and everything that's not only compliant with the regulations to be in this environmental business, but for how to to run the business more efficiently and appropriately and um, just the best best practices. You know, I, I call it my techno-rescue Bible, if you will. So if I wanted to do a franchise, documents
0: done. <laughs> you know, for, for you, as as uh, there was a couple of things I wanted to go into. And, you know, and I'm thinking, so the, the folks that are listening, they're going like, well, geez, you know, one, am I – Am I a client mm-hmm. of Techno Rescue? So what would a client, you know, if somebody's listening and they go, geez, I've got some equipment that I don't know what to do with, or I'm getting ready to an upgrade, or I'm mm-hmm. potentially interested in, in expanding, but I want to manage my budget. What does a client look like to you? What's the range of clients? Uh, my range
1: of clients is... Pretty much if you have a heartbeat in technology. <laughs> so we, you know, there's a lot of uh, what I call big boy companies in my industry that they won't touch consumers or small businesses. I will. Um, so if you're a home user, a small business, I have fortune companies, fortune thousand you know, clients. Um, I have government clients in the federal, state, municipal level. Um, I, so my clients range all over the place and, and, and I will never change that either um, because there's a need for all of our clients. You know, I, I have a company that has a lot of responsibilities and to me it's an obligation that I take seriously. A, protect the environment and B, the data security to protect your identity. If you wanna protect your personal pictures at home or if you wanna protect your client data, company proprietary information, HIPAA compliances because you're a hospital the fact or acta compliances cuz you're a bank a uh, financial institution i take all of that equally serious um, and i and i take the, and i'm very responsible about so, that so
0: so for the person that's going you know i've i've got a hard drive and i'm concerned that if i go to recycle my piece of equipment that that data is going to be available mm-hmm. what do you do to to answer that concern
1: very simple i have a i, I guarantee 100% data destruction and I issue you a certificate of destruction and I can guarantee that because I take the I, I use a DoD the Department of Defense method approved methods of data destruction and I've gone as far as and I do this now every year and in fact I'm doing it next week I hired a forensic company who does global services forensic work for technology I hire them every year where they come in they evaluate my process they take any random hard drives or storage media, and they're not able to retrieve a single bit of data. So my method of data disruption is truly 100%. We're not just formatting. You know, we're not just doing that basic level uh, data, you know, data disruption, and that's why I've been able to, you know, uh, capture a lot of these accounts. So if you have any concerns, there's not going to be any leakage with, with me, and, and that and that is guaranteed. First of all, I know how serious it is being in national security once upon a time. Um,
0: but I also don't want to end up on 60 Minutes for messing up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we were back there, and you actually have a, a standalone facility where you take in, and if the hard drive has to be physically destroyed, you still go through and wipe the data. We do, you...
1: we do, and, and, and I'm glad you brought that point up. Um, a lot of com- a lot of clients they have in the mindset that if you shred or physically destroy a hard drive that they're protected they're not wrong but it's not a hundred percent it is effective but it's not a hundred percent you know not that everyone is a high you know potential target a high risk target to be, uh, you know, hacked. But there are, some, uh, there are some technologies out there. Supposedly, North Korea has this $2 million machine where you can take shredded materials um, to put, a, you know, to, to get hard drives together and, and extract some data. Now, granted, if you take a shredded hard drive, you know, you could pull some remnants of data out of there. The trick is making it into intelligent data. So that is a trick. But when you talk like that, what that means is it's not 100%. So I will educate the clients, and if they still want it, no problem, I'll do it for them. But I will still do my approach first because I know that's truly 100%, and then I'll do the physical disruption for their peace of mind. So no matter what, I'm going to do it the way that I know is right. I've contacted with different government agencies. I've hired a forensic company. I've been audited. I do basic checks, so I know my way is right, and I'll go up against anybody who thinks otherwise. Um, But if they want the physical destruction, no problem. But let me do it my way first. And if you want to witness it... I'll grab you a chair, a cup of water, a cup of coffee, because it takes several hours the way the way we do it. Um, but but I put in that time and investment uh, because
0: I want to do it the right way. Well, you know, I think about for some of the financial institutions that you know, and and for some of the CEOs and and business owners that may be listening, you know, we go, we're really concerned about our data, as they should you be, you know, and as they should be, and and you look at HIPAA compliance, mm-hmm. you know, which. Is extremely important to take in and manage that risk. I I think you know for the niches and so on that you're addressing. I believe that many folks aren't educated on what it takes to really get rid of the data because you always hear it can be retrieved. It can be retrieved. So you know, and and as we have folks listening out there, I think circling back a little bit to what you said before, where you were always doing business while you were in the air force and other. Mm. So. I don't think you ever had a, a period of time where entrepreneurship didn't show up in your life. No, I, I don't know where it came from, but it's it's, it's
1: always sort of been in me. Yeah, um, and, and uh, when I got a small taste of it from the, in Hawaii is when I really got the bug. Um, after that, it's it's never left me, and, and it never will. And you know, till now, I have some side projects, if you will. Um, But this is obviously my primary focus.
0: When you're trying to get up to speed as an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. were there influential individuals or books that you read?
1: More uh, uh, individuals in my life. I have read some books, you know, Good to Great, Tipping Points, you know, books like that, of course, um, which are awesome books, by the way. Um, But, you know, there was also a lot of lessons learned, but there were some individuals, um, some people who I consider mentors. Um, you know, funny enough, uh, one of my mentors, um, retired uh, Air Force Colonel Dave Gruber, mm-hmm. who uh, he was one of my first commanders in Hawaii, and we were both stationed in the Pentagon together. Now he's retired here. Um, we get together. You know, we talk business. Uh, we tried, you know, m- you know, doing some uh, uh, several projects together. Um, so he's always been a mentor, you know, he's, he's excellent in technology and cybersecurity, which is a huge thing right now. In fact, he's a, one of our security panelists for the Denver BizTech Expo that I'm, that I'm a board member of. Um, another gentleman, his name is Talal Hafiz, who I just think the world of. He's um, incredibly successful, you know, gentleman um, who's always been there for me. I have people in, you know, another gentleman, uh, Mike Walker from Washington, D.C., very successful and I look up to them um, because money was not handed to them you know they they earned it the hard way like I'm going to learn it, earn it the hard way a few years away from them but they you know they they, they talk to me they get they, they, they gave me their time um, and they just you know I, I can't say enough for them Talal Hafiz and Dave Gruber are two men that I'll, I'll always appreciate in my mm-hmm. life and um, and I'll always be there for them if they call I'll jump
0: you know as I, as I think about the the mentors that were influential in your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're busy in a number of different organizations as well, mm-hmm. and I believe you were in, in was in the, in the police department.
1: I am um, a executive board director with the Metro Denver Crime Stoppers. Mm-hmm. I've been uh, um, I've been on that board now for since 2008, so about nine years now. Um, we meet once a month, and uh, yes, yeah, so I meet with all the different police stations and the DA every month at the Nine
0: News Building, who's our media partner. So. Giving back some of what you received, absolutely. And yeah. then you you mentioned um, this event that you're having in September. Mm-hmm. That's quite important. Tell us a little bit about this event in September.
1: Absolutely. So you know, I had mentioned earlier that one of the ways we capture equipment is through community community recycle events. We do anywhere between 40 to 50 events a year. Uh, about half of those events are fundraisers, whether it's a Women's Crisis Center, a Scholarship Foundation, veteran organizations. But this particular event, I do it with Nine News, uh, is a benefit event for the Crime Stoppers, which I'm a big believer in because in the time I've been with the Crime Stoppers, we've raised money through fundraising efforts to um, get support from the public, to get tips, to help capture criminals, get criminals off the streets. You know, I'm a man of service. I've always been about service. So that particular event, like uh, other events, I volunteer our company services to help raise, uh, excuse me, collect recycled equipment for donations. That particular one last year, um, we've done it. When our uh, fourth year so far, we've raised through Techno Rescue Recycler close to. $90,000 as uh, benefits. Last year we did uh, about $43,000, but we collected 378,000 pounds of electronics in a five-hour period. Uh, As a matter of fact, this year, which is on September 9th, and by the way, September 9th, we picked that particular weekend for a reason. It's connected to the 9-11 weekend, and now there's a big thing during 9-11 weekends where a lot of corporations do a volunteer day for some sort of community effort, so we wanted to tie that in with all different companies to, who want to come in and volunteer to help with that uh, particular event that we're doing with Nine News and the Better Business Bureau and to help us raise money, which will go to the Metro Denver Crime Stoppers. But because of the amount of volume we're picking up, the Guinness Book of World Records will be there this year, so that's a little fun added uh, bonus that we'll be having this year.
0: <laughs> As folks may be listening, go, you're obviously a busy guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, lots of diverse interests. Uh, you have a young family as well. I do. I do. I have a two-year-old at home, and uh,
1: as busy as I am, I'm, I'm home every single night for him. I'm, I'm, I'm a very involved father, and so I started a li- little bit late. I'm, I turned 42 in uh, three days, and I have a two-year-old at home, and uh, I'm loving life. He, he, he's my balance. He's my sanity at this point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, and, and for, the, for the folks that are out there that might be curious – as to perhaps what your routine or your day looks like. How do you start your day, and are there things that you do to um, to get you pointed?
1: I my schedule is so different every day, but I'm up in the mornings, and you know I'll have breakfast with my baby. Um, you know, come straight to work. What time do you usually come to work? Uh, I'm, I try to get here about eight o'clock mm-hmm. in, the, in the morning. Um, if, uh, if I have a busy day, I'll come a little bit earlier. Um, if I don't, I might spend the first hour or two working at home. I try to avoid rush hour, you know, because <laughs> of where I live compared to my office. So unless I absolutely have to, so I'll either come before pre-rush hour or post-rush hour. So, so it just sort of depends on how my day looks. Um, so I come into work and, you know, I may have uh, offsite meetings or in-house meetings. Um, you know, I, I mix up my days with uh, business development, operations, Cleaning the toilets, uh, doing whatever I have to do. Um, then I go home. I'll, I'll go to the gym first. Um, you know, I'm very big into health and wellness. I believe that if you're uh, not just because uh, I'm very busy and I need to keep my health up, but you know, as as a father and as, as a busy person, I I, I want to extend my life and be healthy and not you know mess myself up. I guess, but for me especially, it helps me keep my energy up. Um, after the gym, I go home, and at that point, it's all about my family. It's all about me and my son. Uh, he's, he's two years old, but we have a little mini basketball thing in our living room. So we'll play basketball, we'll play a little bit of soccer. Um, he's into Legos now, so he's building really cool things with Legos. Um, and my amazing uh, father-in-law all of a sudden decided that it'd be fun to get my uh, son some toy guns. And apparently my son is a good shot because the other day he said, Baba, Baba, look at that plant. Then he shot the plant. Then he goes, look at that shoe. He shot the shoe. And I'm like, who was teaching this boy how to shoot? He's, <laughs> he's a good shot. And now I'm afraid because he he aims a gun at me sometimes. <laughs> so I have my own opinions about guns. And I, you hear those stories about kids who have realistic looking guns. So there's a fear of me, but it's, there's something cute about it. And he built out of Legos a gun on his own and a house from, from, you know, out out of nowhere. So I say this very proud, (laughs) very scared at the same time. Um, But yeah, for me, when I'm home, it's all about my kid. Now, yes, there are times where I have uh, networking functions or events or if I have a project I need to work on. Um, But if I have a project I need to work on, I wait till my son goes to bed. It's about 10 o'clock. I'm not into putting my kid to bed at 8 or 9 o'clock like a lot of parents do. Nothing, nothing, there's nothing wrong with it if you do. Um, but because of my schedule, I want to spend some time with yeah. him. So I put him to bed around 10. When he falls asleep, um, You know, I might put in a couple hours of work. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm at my home office. Go to bed, You know, 12.30, 1 o'clock. Get up at um, 5.30 and you know, get going.
0: You know, we were, we were talking uh, before uh, the show and you have this new program that you're starting for the business owner where, in fact, rather than me talk about it, tell me about this new program you've got.
1: Absolutely, I'm so, so excited about this program. It's part of a rebate asset management program. It falls onto our uh, IT asset disposition program. There's a lot of companies out there who know they need to get or dispose of their electronics. First of all, it's illegal to dump it in the landfill, but there's also that data security element but they don't want to just quote unquote hire a recycle company because they know there's value in the equipment, but they don't have the time to clean it, list it on Craigslist or eBay or wherever and sell it either. So one of my programs is part of the asset management program where we will come and pick up the equipment. It could be from a data center. It could be, you know, medical equipment, testing equipment, high volume of good laptops, whatever it is, if there's good value in it, we will take the equipment from you. We will first, of course, do all the data disruption, but we will salvage, refurbish, and remarket the equipment. Then we'll take a proceed of the revenue we generate from that equipment and send it back, to that company. Now they got a return on their investment of what they probably would have never seen. And they can take that money for the next uh, equipment that they're gonna replace it with or do whatever they want with it, it's, 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 it's their money. So this asset management program, we started it not too long ago and, and, and it's been great. I mean, who doesn't want to make some money back from all the equipment that you're supposed to just recycle anyways, um, but why not? Because we are not just a scrapping recycle company, we are a full life cycle IT company. If I'm going to generate some revenue from high value equipment, then I'm happy to share it. First of all, of course, there's a good business element to it, to to lock in the client. But I think it's fun for the client to receive a check, you know, and, and return it. And if they want to replace the equipment with some refurbished equipment, we can help them with that as well, of course. But typically clients with high value equipment want to buy the brand new equipment, no problem. So take that check I'm going to give you and put it into your, your, your next equipment, but yeah. If you want to make money from uh, disposing of your high-end equipment, that's that's a program we launched, and it's been a great start, and, and it's so much fun, it, it really is. I, I, I legitimately love that program, I love what we're doing, but that specific program is, is, is just so
0: cool. <laughs> you know, it's, it has you know, lots of things going on in your company, mm-hmm. you know, lots of avenues to pursue. You know, Looking out over the next year or so, are there some areas... That you're heading into, and that, that might be uh, new technology that you're recycling. You have things on the drawing board that you think you're going to address. There,
1: there, there are there are a couple of things. Um, you know, one of the things that we're that we're starting now is a uh, data center decommissioning, um, and, and I bring that up not just because of the asset management you know portion of it, but there's some new technologies coming out. Um, there's a company called Sterling Computers who are reselling a, a GPU uh, technology and AI. Um, that's manufactured from Nvidia. It's amazing technology that's going to replace a lot of uh, servers and even data centers. So we're getting our we're going to get involved um, to include the uh, the lifecycle portion. Um, there's going to be organizations like the Air Force Academy, Buckley, uh, Lockheed Martin, who are looking at GPU technologies, but they need a solution to dispose of their, their other equipment. So we're going to be following the latest and greatest technologies now. We're partnering up with companies and we're able to get in there, not just because of our capabilities, but being a veteran owned company obviously helps us get, you know, um, open up opportunities and you know, doors. And yes, I don't mind leveraging off of that, but following these uh, um, Innovative companies with uh, new technologies. Um, you know, what are you gonna do with the old computers? You had mentioned earlier talking about the hospital examples. You know, there's hospitals out there who we replace their MRI machines. Well, what do you do with the old machines? You know, so it's not so much that we're getting into something new. It's conceptually the same deal, um, but we're but we're we're staying ahead of the game by offering these companies asset management, get return on investment
0: as they replace it with the newer technologies. You know, we're, we've been chatting for a while. The guys in the back have been really busy. <laughs> yes, they have. I, you, I hope they don't interfere too much. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know I, I actually, I think it's just cool to hear the sound in the back because that means everybody's doing their job and, and there's there's activity going on. If, you know, to, to kind of bring it to a close, is there a parting piece of guidance or a piece of wisdom or something you'd like to share with the listener perhaps to bring this to a close?
1: I would, I would, you know. Th- th- what I've done with this company, I'm incredibly proud of, you know from the from the struggles to 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 raising back up and fighting. but what I would advise very heavily to one hundred percent of everybody, Whether you work with my company or not, if you want to dispose of your electronics, find a responsible e-waste company. Find a responsible IT asset disposition company. Don't just go with somebody because they have the greatest bumper sticker lines. Do your due diligence, vet them out. There's a number of companies out there who don't do things ethically. Um, They might ship stuff out, or or excuse me, they might export it to a country that they're not supposed to, illegally. Um, Last year, there's a company in the East Coast Um, who decided to rent a Caterpillar and bury a lot of the equipment that you have to pay to get rid of, like the computers and monitors or the the TVs and monitors, because they didn't want to pay to properly dispose of it. So again, whether you work with me or anybody else, it's such an important industry. You know, see if they're certified. Do your due diligence. Ask the right questions. Ask them for a, a, a chain of custody, you know, a chain of custody. Okay, it went from point A to point B. Well, what happens after point B? You know, if they're not going to be transparent with you, ask yourself, why is that? You know, so regardless of who you work with in this industry, make sure you're with the right company, not just for the environmental piece, but for your data security to protect the identity of yourself as well as your clients. You
0: know, I think that's great advice. Thank and all, I really appreciate you taking the time and showing me around the warehouse.
1: I appreciate your time as well and for the opportunity to be on your show, Bob.
0: You bet.